Welcome to another episode of Horrorversary, the podcast that normally celebrates horror movies celebrating anniversaries. I'm your host, Adrian Torres, and the normally there is very important because if you've seen, you know, the title of this episode, which I think everyone does anytime they click on an episode of a podcast that they listen to, we are talking about South by Southwest. And I, this is something that I've wanted to do for, for a little bit. You know, we, we'll have the normal episodes, but I want to have times where we can diverge and talk about, you know, other movies and, and talk about newer films as well. So, of course, we had the, the famous Lost episode uh, that was recapping, you know, films at, at the very end of last year. And since we're getting into kind of the run of when the film festivals start kicking up, South by Southwest seems like a, a really good time to talk about, it, especially because South by Southwest is, you know, besides its music festival and besides the film festival in general, you, you have stuff like the Midnighters, you have stuff like festival favorites that are coming over from Sundance and stuff. It's just a, a really good mix of movies that people are already talking about, movies that people are going to be talking about, or, or movies that people are going to lose their minds over. And of course, this is a show that I can't do by myself, so I, I had to bring people on. And I thought the best way to do that was to bring on individuals who've already been on the show. You know, people from episodes that everybody loves or that people scratch their head about. So the first person that I'm going to welcome on, you would know from any time that they're talking zombies or writing <laughs> on various different websites. And of course... Just, I believe it, she'll be able to, to tell me, but I believe it was just a couple days ago that she had a video interview with Adam Wingard. So please give a, a, a large returning welcome to Horrorversary for Dee Dee Crimmins. How's it going, Dee Dee? Yay, thanks, Adrian. That was a lovely intro. And I did talk to Adam Wingard and he asked me about my cat condo. That's <laughs> all that matters in the world. Who cares about the goddamn King Kong versus Godzilla? We want the hot goss when it comes to cat condos. I've got it for you. That's what matters. That's what now you guys um, on everybody's been talking about that movie. We're not going to talk about it right now, but like I said, th there's many different places that you are covering movies for. So let everybody know, you know, what, what those places are, where they can find your voice, because you're, you're constantly adding different places. It seems like I am. I'm a chameleon. No. So currently I'm writing for that shelf.com room org, um, both the print and the digital editions, as well as Seville weekly, which is an alt weekly in Charlottesville, Virginia. See it's, it, you got to give some love to the alt press because you're like, Hey, it's 2021. And guess what? My name's in a fucking magazine. It's in, you can get it for free while you take the bus. <laughs> that means something. Well, I, I mean, also, you know, to combat the, the room org of it all. <laughs> it's like yeah. see see i'm a varied person i'm in this really big magazine and then i'm also giving back to the little people <laughs> exactly and also when they're in print my parents know that they're real so that definitely <laughs> helps i i had that happen uh a couple months ago when i can't remember who it was in my family but somebody picked up uh the pitch here in town and they were flipping through it and they they always like looking at you know the bylines and then the stuff on the on the main page and they saw under contributing writers they saw my name and they were like what and i was like well it's 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 mostly the online version but my name still technically is in print there so i'll mm -hmm. take that yeah yeah and i'm also like i'm one of two people in the world that has my name there's a welsh school teacher who has it too so yeah, it's pretty easy to find me online if you ever want to. So please don't stalk me. But like, mom, dad, you can find my stuff. I exist, I swear. And they're just like, oh, that's nice, dear. 
Well, the problem is, is that the Welsh teacher also constantly talks about cat condos. <laughs> and zombies, so. Oh, those bastards. Yeah. And the other half, I, I, I was going to have an analogy that, that works, and the first thing that came to mind was Justice League, but that's not a topic uh-huh. for here or, or for most people. So uh, just imagine the best analogy that could possibly happen right there. To, to talk about this third individual who is another person whose voice you can find many places on the internet and who I had to have on here for South by Southwest because it wouldn't be a, a true South by Southwest experience if I didn't talk to or see this person. Please welcome back to the show, Rob Dean. How's it going, Rob? Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is so common that it's uh, Will Smith's character name in Enemy of the State. <laughs> Robert Dean. I'm like, huh, all right. I mean, that I guess that works. I'll, I'll take it. It's a good, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, you, you could be Jason Lee's character, who no one remembers How the name of that. How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> he rides a bike. It is true. This now, is, it's character. <laughs> Rob, where can people find your wonderful writings out on the internet? Uh, they can find it at Daily Grindhouse and at Bullseye with a Z. Or just follow me on Twitter at Neurotic Monkey. It's probably the easiest way. All those wonderful places, even though you decided to put Twitter in there, which I know. Are we, is Twitter a good place right now at the moment? Has anybody yeah. checked in on it on the last hour? Uh, it there seems was... slightly less Nazis. Not, 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 no Nazis, but slightly less. That's I found it. out yester- yesterday I had to Google milkshake day because oh. I took the day offline and then I went back online. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what anyone's talking about. Wait, no, milkshake duck comes uh, up now and again. This is true. That's like, it, I, it, it seems I, like an was, every couple months thing. I, it was the first time I'd seen it and I just turned on my computer, my phone and I went to Twitter <laughs> and it was like shrimp toast crunch guy got milkshake ducked like bean dad <laughs> yeah yeah and that, uh, that, sen- that sentence doesn't make sense i mean it does make sense but it shouldn't make sense no it, it shouldn't but it's it's 2021 so nothing makes sense but I just yeah that it sounds like freeform jazz like milkshake right? duck <laughs> with shrimp toast, toast man crunch. yeah topanga <laughs> topanga <laughs> yes but no i was on twitter earlier and it seemed <laughs> There's upsetting things, but there's always upsetting things. But yeah. then there's good people talking about good stuff, too. So Well, th- there you go. Uh, by the time you're listening to this a couple days after we record, it's probably back to just a, a fiery and burning hellscape. Yeah. So Shouldn't, That would be the goal, right? Is to not have something specific to pile on. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like that's, reg- that's because we can't regular see into board. the future. Oh, God. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, e- even when people usually in films can see into the future, it's as useful as Nicolas Cage in Next. Two minutes. Two minutes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wow. When when your your basic uh, ability lets you know that your food is not going to be on time. <laughs> I mean, just sit that one out. But of course, like I said, we're we're talking about South by Southwest and South by Southwest. That's the weird thing about when you're talking about the transition from 2020 to 2021. There are certain things that you can't not talk about. 
And in certain circles, if you're somebody who follows film, if you're somebody who follows film festivals, then South by Southwest was kind of when the gauntlet was dropped last year. And that's because everybody was going, you know, amongst their lives was hearing that there were slight pockets of outbreaks here and there. The pandemic wasn't as crazy a level as everybody thought it was going to be. Theaters were still opened and everything. And people were gearing up for South by Southwest. And then everything kind of dropped in and it wasn't even the festival's, you know, decision really. It was that the mayor decided to call, you know, a, a state of emergency that was closing everything automatically. Um, it came as a shock to the people who run South by Southwest. I know that they tried to fight for like a day or two to try to see if anything could be done. And it just happened so fast that there was nothing that they were able to do. So having it back now is kind of a big deal because usually depending upon what circles you go in in the film festival circuit you would have sundance and then you might have something smaller uh like a week or two after sundance like here in kansas city we have uh panic fest that's been getting lots of attention the last couple of years so it was definitely something that was on that line and then you had south by southwest and so having that gap in there kind of not only was a big blow for those movies that were going to have a chance to be shown and, and picked up and distributed by that but then that was the kind of you know klaxon alarm that went off that got everybody else to say okay if they're having this happen then we should start planning you know for for an inevitability and something that we could do and so you saw all these film festivals transition to being online and virtual which i i i think everybody's got a different opinion i'm going to find out what you guys thought in just a second but you you saw kind of each subsequent film festival that came out until the end of the year. They they were kind of adapting and finding a way. And you had lots of the films were like, oh, well, if, if people are seeing it this way, how can we guarantee, you know, distribution? And I think out of that film festival cycle, you had lots of films that people were talking in their top 10, um, you know, horror films or top 10 films at the end of the year that were films that maybe would not have gotten that recognition. So d did you guys partake both in the, uh, the online film festivals last year? Good God. Yes. <laughs> yes. <as well. laughs> yeah. I attended, let me see if I can go down the list. Um, Fantasia, fantastic fest night stream, which was like this, like transformers pushed together Frankenstein version of like four <laughs> or five other little genre fests that banded together. Um, and what did I do? Oh, and then Sundance, Slam Dance, and South by. That's what, all those last three are in 2021. <laughs> nice. Rob, what yeah, about I just, you? I did last year South by, and then I think Chattanooga and Fantastic Fest. And then going back to South by. So not as many, but yeah. I, I, how have you guys felt overall with the, the experience? I know that depending upon which uh, film festival online that you were attending they had different ways that it were was set up with some of them um even if you're pressed you know you're choosing a movie that's going to only be playing within a couple hours or you might have a couple days to watch it so what, what was your guys's overall experience i mean it was really varied the thing that was very striking to me is that 
based on the short time frames and the fact that it's not like any of these fests really share staff, save a few people who kind of float between them, that like no one was learning from their previous <laughs> mistakes or even strengths. <laughs> So like some fests were like, wow, this worked really, really well. And the next one wouldn't have that feature at all, but then they would have this other feature that corrected the issues with certain streaming or access from before. So that was, it, it was interesting to see, like, I'm sure as years progress, it'll get better, but just like so many of these things were thrown together and sometimes with like really amazing, like grace. And mm -hmm. then sometimes with, it's like, what the fuck are you guys thinking? Like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely some of it was pretty messy. Um, and yeah, there wasn't any like learning curve, like, oh, like, oh, the, uh, you know, we reached out to these people and we see like, and where you experienced it, whatever. They never, you know, it did seem to like there was constantly changing in strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm curious to see how it moves forward, like even in a non-pandemic time, if like, you know, there might be a, a low enough overhead that might be more enticing or it might have more of an international group or who knows, but very curious about that. I, I do know that, uh, and, and this will be, you know, our next point, but I, I do know that there are people online who, <laughs> with South by Southwest, were a little, little confused and not fully happy with the, the huh. overall experience, we'll, we'll say online. And that, and that was from the people who were, you know, uh, the, the badge holders, who mm -hmm. th they had it explained, hey, this is, you know, how you go about stuff, but it didn't it wasn't really completely clear until you tried to get onto um, the website or the app after it crashed four times um, <laughs> to try to have an idea of, of how to use it and navigate stuff. And then when you were trying to use like any of the, the apps on TVs or stuff, they weren't completely like you could figure it out, but there wasn't, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't fully intuitive. And, and for people who were like, okay, I paid this much money and i have a smaller window uh to to compress everything into compared to to some of the other festivals so i just wanted to find out either compared to the other ones or or just on its own how, how did you feel about how south by southwest was rolled out i found it oddly frustrating not because it was bad or as bad as others in my experience but it's just like they work with technology companies. Like they have those contacts. Mm. You could easily do scalability on them. So it was just weird every time. Um, and there's those other things I was thinking is like, you've had a year to prepare this. You could have a contingency plan, obviously probably less than a year. Cause you were like, Oh, it's to be done in three months. I get all that. <laughs> but um, I, but I still think like there should have been, it just seemed weird that they weren't, there wasn't more testing and stuff like that. But you know, so that was really frustrating, but overall I found the rest of it was easy after, after the crashing. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience. Like, so getting set up with them, like, I don't feel like they bothered to communicate very clearly to the <laughs> press what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So, like, I remember, like, the day before even reservations opened, they're like, oh, did you lock? And, like, we were responsible for, like, signing up on multiple sites and then joining our, all of our badges together. Mm -hmm. And multiple times I emailed them for support and never heard anything back. Everything eventually sorted itself out. Maybe they knew that, but just in terms of like actual communication, like there was none. Yeah. Um. And then the, as we all know, the site was crashing and all of us on Twitter are like, is this like amateur hour? What the hell is happening here? Cause like 
like Rob was just saying, like arguably they're the fest that had the longest amount of time to plan just because they were Agreed. the first ones canceled last year. But that being said, once it was up and running, like I, I have a tiny little laptop that's falling apart literally. <laughs> and like, being able to watch through my Roku was huge for me and actually yeah. have that and be able to kind of stroll through things and actually like browse in a really useful way. Like that interface was great, but just getting to the point in which I could get on that interface, I knew it existed and I was logged in was a little more of a hurdle than any of the other fests that I had. Well, I, I think it was a little bit more than that too, because I, like you mentioned the Roku app and that that's how I was like, Oh yeah, I can easily, mm -hmm. you know, do this because i had the tv but like in all their emails and everything they were referring yeah. to it as the connected app not not the south by southwest app they said connected tv app and i know it was just their wording being like yeah uh -huh. it's the south by southwest app that's connected to your tv and it's like no <laughs> but that's not what it is it's <laughs> if whoever it is you know out there they're they're going to be searching for that because even i did i was like I put in connected TV and there was nothing there. And I was like, um, what is happening here? I'm reading the words, literally the words you have <laughs> typed out in an email. And none of it says, you know, you can watch this stuff through our South by Southwest app that, you know, or uh -huh. South by Southwest channel on, you know, any one of these. And that makes sense. And then when I got into it, you know, it had me do the login that you do with, you know, any of those channels or apps nowadays is that you then go to your phone or your computer to be able to type everything in there. You know, where I did all the reservations, which were tied to my email because I got 5,000 emails telling me that I was <laughs> RSVP to stuff. But when I get into the app and I go to my list, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. So I now have to go into films, but everything's kind of willy nilly and there's not even like a little A to Z. So it's like, I, I, know, I know it sounds like it's like nitpicking and stuff, but it's like then you have to go and make sure to take your phone and add it. And some of these movies were only, you know, had like a couple hour windows. Yeah. And because you have it going on, um, you know, for the entire week, but you're like, hey, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to be having movies every two hours that are going to be having the premiere. And yeah, mm -hmm. you had it until like Sunday, but it's like who was available potentially you know, a large group of people at like noon on on <laughs> thursday to be able to watch the <laughs> the over two hour uh sparks documentary which was a film that lots of people wanted to see but it's like yeah well this doesn't this doesn't really work i mean i'm not going to name any names but we had somebody who was in the situation as me who was working a day job who mm -hmm. was like hey unfortunately i'm not going to be able to be on the podcast because i haven't been able to watch enough um, because, you know, certain movies had small windows or it's like, hey, we're starting this on Tuesday, but on Saturday it's dead. And you're like, mm -hmm. that's that's a little confusing. Like if you bought a ticket for each individual movies, which I know was something that, you know, you had Nightstream and Fantasia and stuff like that, that, mm -hmm. that did that. But even there at the bottom of it, when you're looking on like the actual page, like when you were on Nightstream, you could click on a movie um, you know, to learn more about it. And it would tell you this movie is available starting at this time, this day until this time on this day. And that was like a mm -hmm. week ahead of time so that you could, you could plan around that. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily on the South by app at all. And one thing I encountered with this fest, which I honestly not, not to sound like 
totally conceded right now. And this is a very <laughs> unique privilege thing to complain <laughs> about. This was the first fest ever, which I had PR people completely ignore me or actually actively turn me down for screeners. Yes. And I would, and I was like, try, cause you know, I'm, I'm trying to do my shit. Like I have a day job as well, as much as I can get done ahead of the fest, I will try. And they're, screener um library was fairly spare in terms mm -hmm. of like things available ahead of time and i you know did my due diligence i reached out to um the i knew which my assignments were ahead of time going into the fest i reached out to all the pr people ahead of time one of which said no you can't get that there are some screeners available but basically not for you <laughs> like she didn't use that <laughs> language but she's just like yeah. we're holding them out for other outlets i'm like well don't tell me that like yeah <laughs> i know i'm a small fish and you know a small pond at, or a bigger pond at this point but come on and then two other people just didn't even respond to me ever um, even like i got their emails because i was on the email list for the fest saying like hey did you see the trailer for this and i would respond yeah. and be like yes and i would love to see it can i cover it and nothing so uh, again that, that's not the fest organization itself but it is a part of my experience with the fest so my my favorite one was uh somebody put out you know a, a trailer thing and i was able to do you know uh like a quick little write-up on it and i messaged them saying hey I'm really interested in this movie. Unfortunately, because this is the time that it says it's premiering at, and I already have these other movies. I want to be able to fit this in. Is there any chance that there mm -hmm. happens to be, you know, a, a screener? Cause I want to be able to make sure that I can watch it. And they responded back and said, are you not able to watch it when it premieres at the festival? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and like, I no. just said that, people. <laughs> please, please, please see the attachment. And I, I know this is, you know, <laughs> privileged stuff that that we're mentioning. And I know that's constantly a thing that comes up online. Is oh no, these people, you know, are are complaining about having early uh -huh. access to something. But it's like, well, in, in this world that we all navigate, you kind of have to have some of that stuff. Otherwise, it's going to mean that you don't necessarily have certain opportunities in the future. Uh, either, either with, you know, certain PR companies or, you know, certain outlets and stuff. You know, if you're not able to write about something, it, it might hinder you in the future. So it, it mm -hmm. can make a difference uh, for people. But en enough of the hemming and hawing. You know, we, we, we're here to talk about movies and we're here to talk about movies, you know, that we really enjoy. Because no matter what might happen at a film festival, and you might have a film festival that's, you know, the most amazing, perfectly run thing, which... Well, I was about to say normally in the past South by Southwest is it, it's run <laughs> fantastically. Just things don't necessarily start on time. Mm -hmm. Pause, 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 pause <laughs> for for South by Southwest uh, 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 effect, um, which is something <laughs> that Rob knows well. And it's yeah, 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 yeah. just look That's... around. <laughs> just just twiddle your thumbs. N nothing says uh, everything is uh, working perfectly, which this example now takes on an even more frightening um, <laughs> uh, turn of events was the, the last time that I was at South by Southwest, the opening movie that I saw, I usually avoid whatever's at uh, the, the Paramount because as yeah. Rob knows, you get stuck on the back of a building <laughs> for four hours to maybe get in the theater. Oh God. Yeah. yeah it's like a 1920s bread line. You're like this can't be right. <laughs> like, and everyone's like, you know, this comes out in three weeks. Like, I know it comes out in three weeks. I want to hear Lupia Nyong'o answer a question. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that, that's that's how it always is. That that's usually where I I run across Rob and a whole bunch of other people I know because that's what they have to. Because every year South by is like, no, we're not going to allow people to line up, you know, ahead of time, and then three hours before 
<laughs> the hour before uh, the movie starts, which is when they start letting people in, people are already wrapped around the side of the building. So I will always go there first to say hi <laughs> to people. Um, it, it's really and mock exciting. Us with your freedom, be like, <laughs> you guys get a lot of sun out here, huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but two years ago I was um, at uh, the stateside, which is directly next to it. Um, <laughs> to, it's right in the same area, so I wasn't going anywhere. But uh, it was an Army Hammer movie that was playing, and Army Hammer came outside and told everybody, "Hey, you guys, that you know they're having some problems with the projector, but they're working on it." I was just in there. It looks like it's really great. It's not. It's not going to be very long at all. Um, so just you know, keep on holding out here. Then uh, went back into the building and somebody tapped me on the shoulder about five minutes later because on the side exit, uh, Army Hammer had come <laughs> running out to meet a car that was there and then just left. And we were like, <laughs> OK, so this movie's not starting for a while. And sure enough, it was an hour and a half late when it started. But it's like when the actor just is seen darting to a car so that <laughs> no one sees him, you're like, hmm. Yeah, no, this isn't this isn't going to to be great. And uh, any critic who's ever worked South by Southwest uh, knows when daylight savings time is. Uh, <laughs> and that's because for a midnighter that you usually have to go to to do an interview with people the next day usually starts at, you know, you say midnight. You think that's what it would be. Usually they'd be set for around 1230. Then you have to factor in that it's probably going to be about 30 minutes late just because everything else, you know, Q&As can run long. Maybe there was a problem here and there. And then sometimes you have the the head of an uh, indie company decide that they want to do a demonstration on stage um, yeah. by putting a microchip in somebody and it doesn't oh, yeah. go right and takes an extra 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, and so instead of walking out for the movie that's an hour and a half at about, you know, one thirty. It ends up being three o'clock that you're walking out. But, oh, guess what? Daylight savings time. It's now 4 a.m. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, this year was weird. I didn't remember what day daylight savings time was. <laughs> same, same for last year. For the last two years, <laughs> I didn't realize. And I was like, wait a second. I didn't sleep in this late. But I was like, oh, that's right. I'm not wandering through 6th Street and trying to get back to my <laughs> motel. Carefully navigating pools of urine and people screaming at you. You're like, all right. Yes. This yes. is the life I chose. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's how it is. Or the people from the music festival who got there a couple days early and all of a sudden the streets are just crammed with people. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that wonderful change from Sunday into Monday. But like we were too long for that though. Like I'm like Yes, that, that was always like nightmarish, <laughs> like when you'd walk into like this this sucks. But then you're also like, uh the before times. What does it look like when there's a <laughs> sea of people? Um now, South by Southwest is home to basically anything that, that you can think of. It's it's not a festival that's just genre. It's literally everything under the sun. And I think that's why people, you know, everyone has attention that's pointed on it. And everyone's kind of seeing, you know, what's going to come out of it. So, uh, Didi, I want to start with you. We're going to have each person just list a couple titles. I, there might be crossover and we might throw out a couple other ones. But, uh Let's start with the first movie that came to, to mind that you really enjoyed at the fest and, and you definitely think that everybody needs to check out. Okay, sure. Um, so my order is vaguely in order in which I saw them. Um, okay. But I think the first one, I don't know if either of you saw it, was The Spine of Night. Yep. Yep. 
Did you guys like it? I thought it was an edit away from being great. Okay. okay. But it was promising. Okay. okay. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think there was a couple things that were rough for it, but when you take into account the the, the background of the people who were putting mm-hmm. it together, uh, it's great. I saw a movie a couple years ago um, that was a much rougher, rougher version of something like that. Like, not this movie, but... Um, that made me appreciate this more because I've, I've seen like how it can have good intentions and go completely in the wrong direction. And seeing this, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is for, for where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. This is, this is something. Was that that thing at fantastic fest in space? No, no, I'm talking about something okay. else that I'm not, I'm not, not naming because I got in trouble online about a review. <gasps> oh, Adrian. Yes. Um, but it was well, in Chicago. Pixar Chicago. Oh, I know what it was then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if it was in Chicago, I know what it was. <laughs> um, Spine of Night. No. Um. Yeah. Do you want me to like list a couple, or do you want? What do you want me no, to do? No, I, I, I'm interested to hear your your take on Spine of Night. I, I think that's one of those that that people will see the trailer, um, mm-hmm. and and would be seeking out like as much information, wanting to know, uh you know what it is i i think it's a type of movie that definitely is going to to have a giant cult following so mm-hmm. getting the word out now and, and what you think about it i think would be interesting well it basically like has a lot of boobs and blood <laughs> and like books and those are like a good top three for me mm-hmm. um i really appreciated how ambitious it was not only in like rotoscopes mm-hmm. like animation but in also just like we are telling multiple creation myths that are each undermining the next one in this grand style and each one is during a different com- completely different era of like this magical lands world um it kind of reminded me of like the last unicorn in that way where it was like trying to like mm-hmm. humanize and ground these like very clearly fabricated mythological stories and characters mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed like the female energy of it. I liked the fact that like the thing that could corrupt people the most was knowledge and like the scholars were the one in charge. I thought that was an interesting way to kind of like undermine the assumption that if you're learned, you're nonviolent. So I thought that was an interesting way to approach that sort of character and there was just like the, one of the sequences, the one that was the later one where it's like the gods are all like in the sky and fighting and stuff like that. And it like is really, really, really the first origin of this land. Mm-hmm. Like just that whole section, I could kind of like it wasn't a, it wasn't like a paper black paper cut out, but it kind of felt like that to me. And I love that sort of animation. So like, I don't know. I just loved how ambitious it was and how much it tried to take on and for me it was mostly successful and like the whole sequence where all those people were flying because they had wings like i just thought looked awesome (laughs) this must sound insane if someone hasn't seen this but i swear this is all in the movie like but i mean if if you try to like boil it down in a way that you you explain to people it's like okay so imagine that a character from metalocalypse not the show itself but like a character from within the show is dropping acid while watching heavy metal and wizards and like Ralph Bakshi stuff. Like that's the type of movie that that's going on. And it definitely has that, you know, surreal feeling. And I think because of the big swings that, that it's, it's making that even if it, it didn't 
100% connect. I, I was thinking about those movies from back in the day. You know, when mm-hmm. you think of something like Wizards and you think of like Fantastic Planet and it's like there is stuff in there that doesn't completely work. But when you have people that are trying to make these big swings and saying this is something we want to do and have such a clearly defined world that it's like that I'm okay to overlook uh, some of the, you know, rougher parts and some of the parts that might not connect as well. I mean, we're talking about a movie where there's an entire section where librarians are the evil people. Yeah, and they're like flaying people for blood so they can stay alive. Like the hyper violence really connected with me because first of all, I love watching people suffer but also like (laughs) that was a joke um but also because (laughs) like i don't know because so many of those stories that we've seen like i like in my review i would like review um compared it to legend and to things like that and like Mm -hmm. it felt like that but it didn't feel like it was for kids and there was a certain degree of i don't want to say sophistication but just of like lack of fear of freaking out the audience yeah that I really appreciated. I'm not going to say it definitely wasn't a perfect film. And I wholeheartedly agree with Rob when what he said of like, you know, definitely could use some trimming down because it is a bit rough. But yeah. I just like as many film fests as I've seen over the past year, I haven't seen anything like this in a while. And I think that's one of the reasons why it felt so refreshing. Uh, one of the things that I always look for when it comes to movies at a film festivals, because we are talking about places where you have established voices that that might be making a smaller film or a more personal film. And then you have the emerging voices and it's where those places, you know, festivals are where those two collide and that you're able mm-hmm. to see people that are trying to make something artistic and people that you want to take note of to see what they're doing in the future. Like these guys, I want to see what they're doing in the, you know, in, in the future. Yeah, if this absolutely. is them starting out. If this is them just taking a chance, uh, you know, imagine, you know, the, the, the studio who's like, oh, we've had this project on the back burner. You know, we think that you could do it and you give them a budget and you give them time, you know, and, and give them a team and stuff. It's like, just imagine what they could do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see that, that even if that thing itself, too, is a failure, I still want to see it because of, of what they're building towards with this. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, I think. Yeah, I still really enjoyed it. I just think there's things that could have been slightly changed, um, you know, uh, like trimmed up or cleaned up. But it was incredibly ambitious, incredibly impressive. Uh, one of my things is like, I just wish it had like a metal score or like a prog rock score. I was like, oh, if you just if you did all that stuff, it would be a. I think it'll be a cult favorite, anyways. I could be wrong, uh-huh. but probably. Uh-huh. But I think if you add those elements into it and you know uh, tighten some of it up, not a ton, but I think that would kind of push it into like more infamy. Um, and be like, you got to check this out. But yeah. you know, a lot of that blood and design is really impressive. It's very reminiscent of Fire and Ice and mm-hmm. you know, Gandahar. And mm-hmm. also to a use point, it does have this kind of like constant resetting or constant new tale. And it does kind of feel like an anthology, but it's all directly connected. So yeah. there's a really clever uh, storytelling in that regard. I, I This might be a really dumb comparison because it's not necessarily thematic although if you wanted to stretch it out you could but like something like uh the, the first foundation book oh yeah i mean sure five will goes west always it always comes back to five will goes west where you're talking about jimmy stewart in a children's movie uh but but no it uh yeah. foundation was was what came to mind and of course i, I it's interesting because you're going to have the tv show of that coming out later this year next year sometime yeah. um but for something like that where you know you, you 
the foundations broken up into different you know sections and mm-hmm. you've got of course you know um the famous i can't even think of his name harry selden i believe probably getting that wrong somebody can roast me that's okay but who, who's made you know the predictions of, of where things are going to go in the future and mm-hmm. so you have people who are you know hanging on you know what those words are and then they're going in and they're looking you know and it's influencing you know events that are happening in the future and, and you definitely see that in something like this and how it kind of you know spirals and grows and everything and uh, one of the coolest but also disturbing uh images i think in a movie is is everyone eating the leaves yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, like it doesn't matter the period but it's because of how great um the the rotoscoping that they're doing and you're like well clearly somebody's eating <laughs> that leaf but then <laughs> just how they're animating it you're like there's just something kind of gross about that action and the masticating of it so you're like uh which i think you know it speaks to its effectiveness yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> all right what, what's next on your list Didi? oh okay we can just rock on down my list um the n- next one that i have was the polystyrene documentary i am cliche oh, I, I am i am a cliche did you guys see that i didn't i want it was on my list but then i think i checked on it and it was like gone or something like, ah! there's yeah, so much to see it. yeah no <laughs> it was excellent it was like kind of the story of polystyrene was told a little bit in um, parallel with her daughter and her daughter's experience with her mother, like having like mental illness and things like that. And also just kind of like realizing how important polystyrene, how important it was to polystyrene to be a mother, but also the impact that she had culturally. And just like, I don't know. I really like, first of all, like x-ray specs, are freaking awesome as a band but also like <laughs> i didn't really know that much about them other than the fact they had like this kick-ass like black woman as their lead um but like just knowing like i mean punk isn't a monolith and it is so easy to reflect like especially like london late 70s punk is just being like everyone's got a mohawk and they're wearing black leather <laughs> and they all have like safety pins through their nose and they certainly did but it's like she was like wearing like crazy green burlap sacks and like she had braces and like that was just her version of punk and like her, having your own version of punk is pretty much the most punk thing you can ever do <laughs> so like i don't know it was just so awesome to see all this like really amazing footage and just to kind of understand what happened with her life because like x-ray specs like i don't think they're like a <laughs> a household name i think they are for certain <laughs> families of course depending on how <laughs> much your parents burned out in the 90s but like you know like i don't know it was really i really appreciated seeing it and then just having it with the like layer of like her daughter's reflection on it and how personal it was that was really interesting to see like that balance between like this amazing woman on stage and this is all the shit she did in her life for better or worse and then oh by the way she's my fucking mom like <laughs> yeah no i really liked it. i really liked it. and it's also like one of those things like did you guys see fast color yeah yeah yeah, like that, like I love their mo- that moment and like where she's playing on the jukebox and like she learns about X-Ray Specs there because I'm just like more people need to know about this band. <laughs> so, yeah, I know I really liked it. It was just sweet. It was just like, I was kind of like the Tom Petty documentary. Like if you just get to spend time with artists that aren't with mm-hmm. us anymore, it just kind of feels like comforting. I'm kicking myself for, for not, you know, getting to see that one after hearing you talk about it. <laughs> I'm sure that one, if it hasn't already gotten distribution, will get something. No, I, I think that's 
for for the most part, it feels like any of the documentaries that wind up at, at South by Southwest definitely get uh, picked up, even if it's by you know uh, a smaller, like more boutique label. They're, they're able to find uh, homes. Uh, it seems like more than maybe any other category, a documentary is something that people are are searching out. Whether it's ones that were at uh, Sundance that are being made by returning. Um, uh-huh. artist because it, like that seems to always be one of their big pieces as much as they make a big deal about the midnighters the documentaries uh are, are always in full force when it comes to south by southwest awesome. it also seems like, like they they tend to like are now feeding a lot more in streaming like i think every streaming service has a ridiculous wealth of documentaries yes. um, which is impressive and cool but like i guess maybe it's just low cost too acquire and there's no weird residuals or whatever but it's just impressive that there's if you ever look at them there's always like a lot more than you think on each streaming service and i think so i think it's kind of cool when these otherwise unknown things basically end up on these services and people can like did you know there was this punk rocker in the 70s like (laughs) well i think part of that might have to do with because you know streaming's everywhere it's 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 never going to change. Every major studio by, let's say, the end of 2022, 2023 is going to have their own channel. So you have people who are pushing out more and more content, but you also have the difference with something like uh, Netflix that within the last couple of years has not only have they put out a whole bunch of documentary series, but they put out actual documentaries that have been nominated or win for Oscars. So... Mm-hmm. Because of the amount of people who are, you know, consuming and binging stuff on there and you have these documentaries that a streamer is putting out. I mean, there's so many, you know, smaller studios, you know, like like Focus and Sony Pictures Classics, who who've always, you know, made a big deal about putting out documentaries. But then what service they, they would end up on isn't really out there. But you have something like Netflix that, you know, here's the documentary that we made that you know is on our service. It just won all these awards. Here you go. And because of their algorithm, it's like, hey, if you like this, here's five other things, which might not be documentaries that they made, but you ha- you get people. It's, I mean, it's basically like a drug nowadays. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny that we're referring to documentaries as, as a drug, but it, it's kind of a great shift that you have people who are doing that. And I think it also comes from lots of the true crime stuff, whether it be yeah. podcasts or you know series that whether it's netflix or investigation discovery or or whoever is doing it uh that you have people who are you know more not, not so much susceptible but they're they're keyed in to watching you know five or six hours of of a series that's based on a true crime so uh the concept of only spending an hour and a half to two hours uh, on that type of subject in a more condensed way is easier for them. So I, I think um, by putting this stuff out that, that you have that, I mean, I don't know if you guys, did you guys watch the, uh, the Demi Lovato uh, documentary? I did not. I did not. <laughs> okay. It, well, it was the, it was the, o- it. <laughs> it was the only thing that, that my wife wanted to see when I was telling uh-huh. her about everything that was on there. So, um, so I watched it and I thought that it was just going to be a straight documentary about 20 minutes in is when we found out, Oh no, that's not what it is. It's actually part of a, um, like 
uh, a docu series that's oh. got multiple different, but like that's the that's the only thing that felt weird. Like it felt like an actual documentary that they then broke up to to where it would be the end of the episode. Like that was the only thing that was distracting. Like twenty minutes in, all of a sudden it has the title card: Demi Lovato dancing with the devil. And my wife and I are like, "Wait, what? Didn't we just talk? <laughs> oh, okay. It's the it's the next one, but it's like." They have it broken into chapters so they could easily just take out that title card and it would feel like it was flowing naturally. And I was like, okay, that's that's the point that that we're at, that you're taking some, you know, what would be a two hour documentary and you're able to 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 chop it into chunks because that's what people are used to. And it's like, well, that's a very powerful tool to be able to to do that. And like, and that's why I was riveted to it. Cause I'm like, you take out those little pieces, then this feels like a, around a two hour documentary, which is, it's really strong. So I, I think that you're getting to the point um, because there's so much consumption when it comes to long form series uh, that are, you know, have a documentary focus that you'd be able to get people to, to choose like the polystyrene one, which I, I uh-huh. think is cool. Cause I think like, if we look back 10, 20 years ago, th- that you're not going to have people who are, who are taking that chance. Uh-uh. Right. All right. What's your, what's your third one? Okay. My third one. I only choose four. So this is my second to last one, but I think this might be on Rob's list. Uh, Ninja right. baby. Yes. Maybe it's on both your lists. Cause it's awesome. It's great. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, just quick recap. It's like a, it's a film about this young woman who finds out by surprise, she's not only pregnant, but she's six months pregnant. And what the hell do you do about that? And she's also pregnant by this guy that she calls Dick Jesus, which was like (laughs) entirely my type. I'm like, I get it lady. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I don't, it was just so sweet. And since she's an illustrator, she like, in her mind pictures the baby as this little ninja because it like snuck his way into her <laughs> womb and like she like interacts with him and talks with him. And it was just so fucking charming and it was so mm-hmm. sweet and it was so like i don't know as someone who does not have a maternal bone in her body like it was kind of i, I felt represented and seen in a certain way that i am <laughs> not usually um because usually it's like oh what do i do and it's like no get this fucking kid out of me like it's like anyway so (laughs) that's my personal take on it but just all the acting was so good and the boy that she kind of has a crush on like she keeps describing him as smelling like butter i'm like (laughs) that's just like first i don't want to really date people who are dairy based but like that i love (laughs) like just the concept of like he smells like something you really enjoy regardless of what that is like that could just be like lips like sugar maybe it's not literal yeah i think it is but it's a kilo it's a kidomos. Hmm? A kidomos. <sighs> yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 great. I I this was one of the last films that I I saw when I was cramming everything in. Like Saturday they were like, "Okay, it's going to be <laughs> off at this time." I'm like, "Okay, that's that's 2 a.m. on 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 Saturday. My wife is really tired. Okay, I am going to cram in as many movies as as, as I can within this this period of time and Ninja baby was, was the the second to last movie that I watched because everybody had been talking about it. I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. And I watched it. And I was like, this is, this is great because like the easiest way that I would describe it to somebody is that it's, uh, it's knocked up with a, a female in the Seth Rogen role, but there's no <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Thank God. Um, would you, 
but but I mean, <laughs> hey, I, it's but I it's true because yeah. yeah, you mm-hmm. you don't have that representation and you don't have you know an actress like that. They're like uh, because Rachel's completely the opposite of that. But she's still she's I I think that's one of the things that I really liked about it is because you you had that character that would normally be thrust upon mm-hmm. uh, a guy for the man child role mm-hmm. and yet it's your female lead so you're getting to have you know one of the kind of uh the 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 rom-coms the the stoner coms the you know uh not so much midlife crisis quarter life adjustment uh coms but but having a female be the point of view who's getting to do the stuff that the guys normally do and then it's not thrust upon being like because you're you're a woman at the at the you know the front of this movie we have to make it something like how to be single and <laughs> because that's what we get in america too often when it yep. comes to yeah. stuff like that or the katherine heigl movies which there's a laundry list yeah. if you like katherine heigl that's okay i'm not saying anything about that but there's only so many different variations of 27 dresses that you can shove down the public's throat before the entire genre just caves in on itself mm. that, that you have to have another country make something like a ninja baby that just feels like yes i i want to see more movies like this so many more um the other thing kind of reminded me of mostly because it has to deal with like a new couple and a pregnancy is obvious child yeah Uh, oh yeah and also the reason why uh is because not just the abortion factor in that movie which they also actually talk about i suppose like knocked up there's literally i think four lines being like that's an option like no moving on I was gonna say it's not to Rachel's level. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's also like they have like that scene and then like everyone's like, yeah, this is just part of life. And so like that is also in like Obvious Child. And then there's also in that in Obvious Child is like really strong comedy and also really like truthful like sadness, not necessarily tragedy, mm-hmm. but just a sense of like this is not exactly according to plan. But mm-hmm. that's what really worked well. Also uh, Ninja Baby Reminded me of a teeny little super guy from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, it was like sleet on that, Yeah. He like would slip onto like cups and everything. And I was like, oh, it killed me because I couldn't remember his name. So I had to Google it after I saw it. I was like, what was that little guy? I kept running around from Sesame Street. Oh, so, he was always <laughs> running around on like kitchen counters. Right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, God, Google you're so right. Teeny little super guy. I'm not saying they stole it. I'm just simply saying it's a, it's a good <laughs> reminder. <laughs> If that was uh, a projection of someone on Sesame Street having an unwanted <laughs> child, like, that would be yeah, the weirdest things like oh. that. Would, honestly, would explain a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's so sweet. It it's is. Just, it's, I, it's... I, 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 like watching this film, I was just like, I mean, even like if you want to like remove my own personal identity politics aside, like it's just it, it's a very honest look at people going through a difficult situation, making mm. good choices. Like yeah, yeah. People are dicks, but they're not awful. I guess. Dick, so Dick Jesus is. <laughs> Dick well, Jesus. yeah, I mean, Dick, Dick Jesus is pretty awful. He, he, has, he, he, he has, has a curve, moments. though. <laughs> yeah, 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 but he's, 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 what, I was trying, uh, You're saying yeah, Dick he Jesus has a curve. <laughs> I did say Dick Jesus has a curve and he curves up, which is the best direction if you're going to curve somewhere. Congratulations, Dick Jesus. Exactly. See, this is what <laughs> I'm saying. And all of this is a euphemism, what I've been saying. So. Oh, check it out. But no, I mean, he, I, I think the movie is very 
careful in how it mm. plays everything. It, it wants to be funny. It wants to to have the serious dramatic beats. Um, it never pushes too far in, in either one. Like it never becomes farcical. It never becomes satirical. It, it's treating the characters, even if they have, you know, um, out there situations that, that it is treating them with a level of respect and dignity, even if those characters themselves don't always feel that way towards themselves. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's why I think it's a movie that lots of people will like and then get to the ending and feel divided on it. But then you can't really argue with it because it's it, it fits within the confines of the film. And I, I feel like it's got an ending that lots of people will be like, ah, I didn't really like that part. It's like, well, mm. fine, you can feel that way, but it, it it fits the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. The ending, like without spoiling it too much, like there was one aspect of it that I really wanted to see for my own personal satisfaction that it wasn't given. But looking back, like, had I been given that, it would have not felt in the spirit of the film. Like, it would have been too tidy. Like, nothing yeah. about this is tidy. Like, it's all about, like, how messy life actually is. Um, so I kind of, like, <laughs> I respect it for not giving me what I want because I don't always <laughs> know the best things that I want. Um, yeah, no, it was really, yeah, it was just so good. All right, so I'm going to have you hold on to your fourth because we're oh, gonna okay. we're gonna run through through Rob's. Well, no, no, just to, to help move things along, you know, have no, he might for everybody. He, he might name my fourth. We never know. See, that's what I'm saying. There's a chance you don't know. So. It's like but, a match well, game. <laughs> circle takes a square. Blank, blank movie. Um, so my first one will probably be a Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break. Yes. Did anyone see Paul Dude and his Deadly? Yes, lunch I did. Break? <laughs> I did not, but I really wanted to. It's a lot of fun. Um, basically, a uh, guy who wants to be a star via an X Factor like contest. Um, he's trained to be a singer slash dancer entertainer with his mom, whom he lives with. Uh, he has a really bad day where everyone kind of impedes him from getting to his audition, and even then, he just gets crapped on by everyone. And so the next day, he decides he's going to take revenge out on them. But things don't go that way. Um, and what I liked about it was there was a moment where I was like, I don't like I get I think it could be funny because it's, it's very character based. I was like, I don't necessarily think like white dude going on a rampage is uh, <laughs> maybe the best source material. Yeah. Um, and it's like because fun fact, it'll always be poorly timed. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're like, oh, it'll always be too soon. Cool. We live in a hellscape, people. Um, but. <laughs> But it ends up not going that way. Um, I don't want to kind of spoil it, but basically he does like end up going a different way and uh, subverting what you expect. And a very, mm. but never feeling like, I don't know, constantly like winking, like, ah, oh, you thought this. It was just more like kind of this own little weird wackiness, but it's grounded in this odd character that you end up like really caring about. Mm. Uh, has a lot of good uh, visual jokes and there's <laughs> a lot of good kind of like repeating and building um uh jokes within it also has a pretty good cast who i feel like ireland doesn't have that many or this part of Ireland doesn't have this many actors because it's like alice lowe and the guy other guy from sightseers i'm sorry for your name ben something maybe um <laughs> i want to say ben uh but there's like a couple of them you're like you guys have all been in movies together so much in the past five years mm-hmm. it's not bad it's just funny to see like this like us again it's like bbc shows where it's like the same five people you're like all right <laughs> You guys all hang out. I appreciate that. But yeah, I thought it was lovely and it's just so much fun. And it has kind of like, it has very dark humor, 
but it's never mm-hmm. like trying to be like take that mom and dad i hate you it's just more <laughs> like just like oh it's really dark but it's still kind of pleasant and charming rob i'm i'm looking at our our, our chat right now and it just says twat everywhere uh, <laughs> you, i wouldn't have done that if i had done that use a c word it's from the movie i'm not a terrible person um but yeah th- there were several films uh this year at south by southwest that i i don't want to overuse the phrase but definitely uh works its way under your skin and paul Dew does that in kind of a different way because i watched it i was kind of wanting a little bit more i was enjoying it i was laughing a lot and i was like but this kind of feels weird like maybe something's a little bit off and then you know i turned off the movie did some writing and just found myself thinking about the movie and then several hours later was thinking about the movie and enjoying it a little bit more and the next day and it just kind of kept growing over time that i was like there's something about about this weird little movie that it just starts to take over and you're like no this was funny yeah this was funny no it's it's not weird it's just well done and it's simple and it's a type of movie that you can only get from somewhere in the uk um for a film that i don't know what they're using when it comes to like cameras and stuff like that but in the uk you can definitely tell when a movie is like a big glossy um Mm -hmm. production and then when a film is an indie film and that's because they all have the same type of look to them. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like you can tell. Yeah. Like if you compared this to like any other like um, uh, like BBC or uh, BFI lottery winner type things, you're going to have a similar type of look because of the, the amount of money that's going into it. And it, most people, when they see that, would probably feel like it's a little bit lesser. But it's like, no, no, it's a little bit shaggier but they've got more room to kind of mess around with things and i think that's what's fun with it is because it has a very uh, goofy spirit that that's never really um like mean-hearted even though it could mm-hmm. easily go that direction and it, it just th- there's something that's both sweet and inc- and sincere about it oh yeah it's well, i'm sorry go ahead no i just said oh I um, the movie. I'm just listening to you guys talk Wait a minute. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing it does really well um, is a um, few of the characters are what you might call losers, but it doesn't <laughs> um, view them. Like, you? It doesn't like look at them as such. You know, there's like kind of like the villains, like the jerks, but then like the ones that aren't so uh, successful. This never like looking down on this joke isn't that they aren't successful. The joke is usually that, you know, that the life keeps like getting in their way or like, you know, there's a sweetness to their dreams and what they want. And it's really kind of, I don't know. It ends up becoming like, it's, you know, the most charming and sweet revenge movie of all time. Maybe. I I think about uh, 80% of the people who watch the movie will definitely have an, ah, I've been there moment. Like when, uh, with, when (laughs) Clemmy, is is in the custodial uh, office <laughs> in, in the dark, listening to uh, to metal on her earphones while watching a video on her phone, and somebody <laughs> just busts in and goes, "What are you doing?" and and she's just like, uh, n- "Nothing, nothing, just 
nothing. <laughs> and it's just like little moments like that. It's like, yes, everyone can relate to that. There, there's so many people who are like, yes, I've, I've been that person. I've been there. Because <laughs> Clemmy's just the best. She is. Everybody needs a, a cheerleader like Clemmy in their life. And a movie that's willing to make 75 uh, David Bowie um, music title <laughs> Where, puns. Yeah. That's pretty great. It's it's worth checking out. Recommend it. Is. It. it is. Um, my third one? Uh, again, see if we're a match. Uh, Alien on stage. Did that's another see one it? I didn't see. I didn't get to see it. It, it. Somebody else had taken it. Sons of bitches. Uh, Alien on stage is... <laughs> really charming it feels i mean it's a real life story of these all these bus drivers um who all work for the bus company in this small town in england uh they put on a play every christmas uh, called like a pantomime play like previous previously they had done a bunch of robin hood plays apparently um and so but then this year they're like we should do something different and the guy who writes the plays is like i'm gonna do alien the movie put on stage and everyone's like all right <laughs> that's what we'll do then and uh they did one, so things don't go exactly according to plan but then people catch wind of it and it ends up becoming uh, a bit more of an event and you're just watching this group of people that aren't uh like actors or you know particularly driven by that sort of art and they aren't super alien fans you know they're like oh i just love this recreating this world it's just like like they're like have you seen aliens like i think so like a couple times like all right you're very casual about this but um (laughs) but it ends up being like everyone there's like these really clear personalities um and it's very it's very much almost it's literally let's put on a show movie and those are just like always tend to be like really sweet and fun i know i already said sweet and charming about all these other ones but deal with it america (laughs) um but it just has this moment of like people, you really feel like their nervousness when they're about to perform. You feel like their giddiness when the guy figures out how to make a tail move on its own with a motor. And he like, <laughs> he's like, I got it. Like the tail. He's like so proud of it. I'm like, yeah, you got it, dude. Nice. Um, and it's very, also kind of similar to like Brassed Off or like Full Monty, that small, like working class group suddenly moving into a larger entertainment element. And finding, you know, a way to express themselves or realize their dreams that they didn't even know they had. So it's it's very nice. Uh, it's pretty breezy. Some of the timeline doesn't make sense. Like some of the footage that's shown, you're like, well, no, that had to have come afterwards. Not a big deal, but the rest of it's told chronologically. So you kind of throws you off like, wait a minute. How'd they get that <laughs> shot? Um, but yeah, it's it's just funny. Like everyone has really clear characters. Um and it's worth checking out. It's just, you know, a people underdog story and it ends up being a lot of fun. And if you, you know, if you like Alien, that'd be <laughs> definitely a good thing to watch. But apparently it's not a prerequisite to being in the play. <laughs> especially especially if you're just casual about it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I heard about both the play and then the movie based on the, or the um, documentary about the play. And it was very much like, I'm like, is this Rushmore? Like, this sounds <laughs> like a joke from Rushmore. Which I would yeah. watch, like absolutely. No, all those plays, yeah, the weird like heaven and hell play, and yeah, it's very like it's both oddly ambitious, but also like super like ramshackled, like all like put together, like literally like glue and like duct tape together. Like, there we go, like like so. It's kind of this funny thing where like they're super ambitious, like we're gonna take on this big thing, but, like 
but we're not really going to put a ton of effort. Like, they legitimately have, like, five rehearsals before one thing. And, like, <laughs> all right. Like, or, like, they're about to have, like, a big night. And they're all, like, time to start drinking. Like, you guys don't remember your lines sober. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the best time to do this. Um, so it's just really fun to have, like, this massive ambition. But people being like, eh, what are you going to do? See if it works out. That's good. So, That's good. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. So those are my three. Should I go for the fourth? Wait, what was your, your third one? I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, no, you're wrong. I can't count. Turns out. <laughs> Paul, I was like, that. Paul Dude, Alien, <laughs> some movie that Rob thought he talked about. <laughs> I was told there would not be any math. Um, <laughs> Luchadors would be my third one. Ah, damn it. You're, like, listing all the movies I'm upset I missed now. Yeah, Good. I really wanted to. Luchadors was one that I, I just couldn't fit in, but I was so excited to try. No, no, uh, it's an excellent story. Basically takes place in Juarez, uh, a border town in Mexico, which has had a very long history, uh, unfortunate history of a lot of murder and violence, specifically towards women. Um, and in that town, there are a bunch of female wrestlers who kind of use the pro wrestling format to uh, create a persona. And also they wanted to help them escape Juarez to go to you know, Mexico city where the most famous pro wrestlers in Mexico uh, perform. So mm -hmm. it's really this, <clears throat> it's kind of like a baked in metaphor, right? It's like women, you have this story of like more and more uh, grassroots efforts to basically take back the night and, you know, women having to, because of all the corruption and police, basically looking the other way um you know it's forced on people to fight for themselves and you also have this like inner strength or outer strength in the ring as well so it, it's fascinating it's uh shot really well um occasionally a bit heavy-handed but that's okay it's making a good point there's something mm -hmm. like that um and yeah i think there's also a moment uh where someone so there's a couple times where people are just die like not main characters but like they're like oh main characters people that you're following but there's like because there's a high amount of death and uh murders so at one point there is a murder scene happening nearby and um these people you know the one of the main uh, wrestlers is standing there with two of her friends and watching you know the police going cordon off and they start talking about who puts the white blanket on all the bodies like Every time I see a blanket oh. or I see a dead body, there's a white blanket. It's so like, who does it? Who like runs out and does that? And they're like, basically, it's like a weird, like Seinfeld, mundane conversation. Like, huh, who is that? I never see someone do that. And <laughs> it's just a weird thing because that's how you know, normalize these horrible acts are. They're just like, they start picking apart like these weird, like idiosyncrasies. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, it's a hard story, a lot of it, because a lot of it obviously has to do with, you know, rape, brutality, murder, abuse. Um, there's also a story of a woman trying to get her kids back after her, uh, after their father uh, absconds with them to El Paso. And the law is in Mexico is not on their side. And the law in the United States, you know, because she's not a citizen, they don't really care. So that's tough, but <laughs> it's, you know, it ends up being like kind of, it ends up feeling hopeful but at the same time being like, it's not going to be easy, but perhaps, you know, we can make that change. Oh. So I enjoy it. Luchadors. Interesting. It's interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's uh I I don't know what else to say, say besides that. Yeah. I mean it's, it's I I think it's it sounds very interesting. It also sounds like like we laughed a couple times because it's a nervous type of chuckle that you're like, what? How else do you respond to these? Yeah. Things? Oh yeah. No, I was just like I realized that like the whole bodies being covered by sheets is not necessarily a punchline, but just with my sick sense of humor, I'm like, that's hilarious. Let's keep talking about yeah. that. No, no, yeah, I get. Uh, like they make jokes like they're literally there making jokes about it. Like who does? Like who does? And then one of the people there is like, yeah, when if it's the first blanket you grab, it's always the one with like flowers. Why is it always a white one? <laughs> and it's like again, it's like this weird moment, really surreal, of like it's an actual dead body. This isn't like a scene. It's like people yeah. looking at it like because they're so used to seeing dead bodies in the street covered up in a blanket, and like that kind of gets home. And they'll stretch home like that's how much that is part of their lives. And then also you have like the stage life, which is not reality, and that's mm-hmm. actually where they're able to find a lot more comfort and power. And so that's, it's always like kind of really clever setting up against um, these expectations. I can see that. I'm, I really wanted to see it. It was definitely one of those that was on my list of really wanting to uh, to see and seek out. Um, all right, so I guess it's it's on to me. See, I had a weird like I thought i didn't watch a ton of movies and i watched a decent amount but not like i couldn't fit everything in and like uh-huh. that was the the sad thing is there are points where it's like okay i'm gonna have to try to choose some movies that are a little bit shorter um just to try to uh, put everything in there so it's like the sparks brothers documentary i couldn't really get to because it was you know over two hours and stuff and there are plenty of films that were in like the 84 to 90 minute range that i'm like mm-hmm. this is great thankfully a couple of them were <laughs> We're really good. Um, did either of you guys get to see the Fallout? No, which one was that? Uh, that was the one by uh, Megan Parks. Um, that's about people dealing with. I mean, they 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 just say tragedy in oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the plot line for the movie. But if you watch the little trailer that was released before it, the end scene of the trailer lets you know that it's a school shooting basically mm-hmm. oh yeah no i did not see this one but the difference with it compared to um all the other ones that are out there is anytime you have like a school shooting um it's either all about the lead up mm-hmm. um or like the actual event and it's like oh let's look at all the uh-huh. people who are who are surrounding it well just the first 10 minutes are pertaining to it and it's not even that long that's actually dedicated to it like one of the strongest things that's done in the movie is the fact that they don't show it like you you hear it and because of of what you're seeing and the people that you're with it's actually more of a visceral experience because of of the way the the audio mixing is done and edited into the scene that that you're feeling it um and these people are in a cramped space so you're feeling it you know with them um but it doesn't show it. It doesn't. I think it. They mentioned who did it at one point, but it's never really an examination of like the person who did it. It's more about uh, the people who survive it. Uh, mostly the main character, uh, Veda, uh, who's played by Jenna Ortega, who people might know as being young Jane from Jane the Virgin, and she was on the most recent oh, season yeah. uh, of You. She was on the most recent season of that, but she is. This is uh, it's a movie that I think lots of people are going to pass up 
but it's the type of performance that guarantees she's or should guarantee that she's casting stuff for for years to come because there's just so much she has to do and the movie's great because it focuses on her it has peripheral characters but she's just a teenager who went through this terrible thing who's just trying to find a way to cope and grieve and the movie's great because if people watch it and are like oh i think that she's dumb for doing this or this doesn't make sense for that reason it's like well first of all it's a character who's coping with something that no one should ever have to cope with right. or begin with uh-huh. and and then it's also like look at the other characters who are around her every single person is is grieving or coping in a different way and we're seeing the entire movie through this person's point of view the the only time that we are shifting to see anyone else is when they're showing us the other side of a conversation uh-huh. or showing us this person's leaving this is what somebody's doing inside the house but they're they're existing in the same frame but it's always from her point of view and so if she's doing things that you don't necessarily agree with you can't argue with it because you don't know how you would be in that situation Mm-hmm. and and so it, it just it's going along with that so it's just a character study you know and what i think is like a couple weeks of of her life afterwards but it just feels very natural and and nuanced and it allows the character to make mistakes but without ever being um like truly in danger because of the decisions that they're making and like they they even have a point where she um kind of loses touch with a character and then comes back into their life and they're at completely different points of like what's mm-hmm. going on. Like uh, you have you have Veda who's not really feeling anything and she has her friend who's feeling all these things and they're kind of butting heads, but there's never a point where the movie's like, Well, this person's right for feeling this way and this person's yeah. right. You know, and so it's yeah. it's letting everybody, you know, be in their place. So you're getting this really interesting uh perspective into this world that the movies kind of want to shy away from like i think one of the only movies that tries to go into you know a lot of character for something like this was that i i apologize people want to come after me that's okay but (laughs) this movie didn't really get great reviews or anything but it's the one about the um the girl who was really religious um who was uh killed in the columbine um shooting and they they made a movie that was all about you know her being you know her life leading up to it and then you know her dying and then there there being a note that was in her desk that was like i just want to touch everyone with my story um but they they don't focus on you know what happens after they want to glorify one thing or another even if it's not trying to glorify it and so that's why it's interesting watching this movie being like unfortunately we have all these school shootings that are happening all the time we don't really we we pay attention to to the people who who stand up and are on the news and are saying we want to make this change we 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 want you know the legislature who's and it's awesome that we have those people but it's like there's a whole bunch of other people who are just like barely able to even function because of what they went through Uh. and and so this movie's showing you know like one of those points of view so that you you feel it even more when you stop for a second and you think about it you're like oh yeah i didn't think of all those other people you know who were in this situation and and like that that's why the movie just like worked its way in and like everything's really 
uh, well done with like how it's constructed and and how it's taking care for everything. Wow, sounds very reminiscent. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like kind of reminiscent of like the sweet hereafter, but if it was like from Sarah Polly's point of view instead of Ian Holm yeah. just showing up. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was uh, thinking of was uh, either the sweet hereafter or the one with Michael Sheen. Um, I think it's Michael Sheen, or maybe I'm wrong. But that they're like. The other ones that you see is about the parents, either the parents yeah. of of one of the kids who was killed or the parents of the person who who did the shooting and something like that. But you don't get like just the other average person who was at the at the school. And like mm-hmm. the ending of the movie is one of the biggest gut punches that I've seen in a while. It's extremely simple. And there's absolutely no other way that the movie could end except for like this scene. But you're still just sitting there afterwards and like, you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just sat there and just stared at the screen for a couple (laughs) minutes afterwards because I'm like, okay, that's that's all you can do. Anything else would would basically feel uh, like a cop out and wouldn't really hit like the entire movie home. So like. I was like, okay, great, great job. And like, <laughs> I, I, I think one of the things that makes it works is that the director is an actress herself uh. um, who she was in. Oh God. What was, cause it had a couple different uh, titles. The, the romantic comedy with, um, with Daniel Radcliffe where like, what if, or the F word or something like that, I think it was called. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what she, you're talking yeah, about. What if. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she yeah. was in that, and then she was in uh, the Secret Life of American Teenager because she cast uh, Shailene Woodley in in a very very small part. Mm. Um, but like, so she's been in a whole bunch of movies, and she's been in movies that deal with like teens and everything, and like the way it deals with teens is really uh, well done. So I really liked it. Uh, I hope people get to see it, but uh, because unfortunately. We live in a country where there's constantly mass shootings or school shootings that it's the type of film that even though it doesn't um, show that the second that I mentioned school shooting, you guys both had a reaction. (laughs) Yeah, no, but but I'm saying you you tell people, you know, about this. Oh, yeah, this is that great movie that it's about people who are dealing with aftermath of a school shooting. Oh, (laughs) it's the reaction you get from everybody. And it's like, Uh well, that kind of makes it hard to market. Thankfully, it won the jury narrative uh, award mm-hmm. at South by Southwest, as well as the audience uh, narrative award. So it, it walked away with two um, huge awards from South by Southwest. So you slap that on your poster and, you know, the very beginning of your trailer, that's going to help people be like, OK, I'll give it I'll give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for um, me, like. I don't want to get kicked in the nuts just for any old film. Like I want to know <laughs> that like if I'm putting myself through that trauma, that it's for like a transcendent experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and they also have to um, wait for a little bit because it wasn't until like after the movie was out that I was like, oh, both these actresses are great. I, I know who this one is. Who's the other person? And I was like, oh, the other person, it's not their fault, but they're technically and in the middle of a media firestorm that's been going on for months and months because they were in uh they were part of the lead of the music movie by Sia so uh, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Another O. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> but for <laughs> an entirely different reason. Yeah. Like, um, these are all unfortunate things. Moving on to <laughs> a movie that doesn't have an O is, mm-hmm. uh, did you guys see Gaia? Yes. I did. What did, what did you guys think? <laughs> all like, right that tells that tells me everything no, I'm I need like, to it's know. on your okay. top four and it wasn't on my top four so i'm kind of like eh. I, I thought it was okay i thought okay. i mean it's the parts of the film i really liked it didn't seem to think were the best parts and it made me follow other things that i thought were less interesting <laughs> so like i really liked parts of it like and it really frustrated me that i didn't get to spend more time with like the good good creepy bits in my opinion yeah i think there's a lot there's a lot of strength in it. I just felt, I don't know, it felt like a very early film by someone, you know, which is not a bad thing. Like they're figuring out, like, I want to do this and this. And then mm-hmm. there's stuff, there's strengths they can build on and any weaknesses they can correct. So it was kind of something that I think I will definitely watch their follow up work. It's just a matter of being like, okay, I think, yeah. yeah. There's some cool answers. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear, Adrian, why did you love it so much? I, I don't know. It just, it, there was just something about it that I found transfixing. And I, I think maybe it's because it doesn't go uh, some of the places that everybody wants to. I mean, I know that in, in the like the, the trailers, they made sure to definitely show the um, the mushroom people, mm-hmm. uh, which when anybody talks about the movie, that's what they're going to talk about. But it wasn't focused so much on that. And there's things that are left unexplained but you get enough to it that you're kind of ingrained and intrigued into the world and it's kind of I, like the, there's just little pieces that just stuck out to me that i really liked like you have i'm not even going to try to pronounce his name so i apologize to the <laughs> world but it's when you spell somebody like b-e or b-a-r like barand is how it was spelled but i don't know if it's pronounced that way I have no idea um but but just like when you're learning about his story and like some of the questions that come up just like make you more curious about where he came from like the fact that that he was um a pant uh, a plant pathologist but like what went into that exactly you don't really know and it's like but something about that and the the events that transpired to to keep him out in the forest has you know allowed him to make this this covenant with this thing that we're not really entirely sure of. And, and by not really being explained, like what it is was like just seeped into my mind. Like, like the, the concept of good and evil out in this forest don't really fully exist. Like everything's in a state of, of gray. And for Mm -hmm. some reason that worked for me because everything's just always so cut and dry in other movies. And it's like, well, no, yes, this guy might be crazy, but then there's also some like he's making some good points and some stuff. But the thing that he's following, is it good? Is it bad? We, we don't really entirely know. And also the fact that the movie within the first five minutes of the film, that when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is cool. But oh man, it's it's another indie movie that's got these wide Vista drone <laughs> shots. I've seen too many of those. And then the movie goes, hey, fuck you. Guess what? It's a drone and we wrote it into the movie. What you going to do now? It's like, <sighs> okay, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good argument to make. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, just like 
the world building but never over explaining it was just something that that the more that I thought about it, it just kind of worked its way in. And and yes, it, it I wouldn't say necessarily derivative, but it, it is feels akin to a whole bunch of other movies uh, that maybe want to present a bigger world and stuff. But th- there was something terrifying to me of it being on this small scale, but having massive implications. And of course, because it is a movie that deals with eco-terror and it, it, and it deals with climate control, that that works, that concept works, that, you know, something small that seems like it's benign and, and something that people could easily avoid and just completely ignore uh, has these potentially huge ramifications without it just being like, well, we're going to cram this down down your throat because that was another point mm. that i liked about the movie being like oh okay here's our big preachy uh part of the movie but guess what we're, we're giving it to you to somebody who's literally kind of become a preacher of the forest who we're also viewing as a madman so it, it it's it's undercutting it in a way that you kind of have to choose what the direction is and i know that that sometimes that ambiguity won't always connect with with everybody but i think that with the visuals just really connected with me and it reminded me of a movie that i saw uh last i'm trying to remember what it was it was right around halloween that it was a smaller movie did you guys ever hear of i think it's called the old ways i don't think so it sounds familiar okay uh, all of it, it. <laughs> uh, uh aj bowen's in it but he has a really really small part like aj that Bowen's describes in it. so many horror movies you know that, right? <laughs> no 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 in it, but he's in it for five minutes that's what, but that's why I'm mentioning it because the, uh, the movie that it's a movie that's like, hey, if we can get AJ Bowen for five minutes, we can <laughs> say that we have AJ Bowen for five minutes, and everybody be like, yeah, but he's in seventy five different. Okay, I'll watch all seventy five different movies, and then I'll let <laughs> you know. And it's like, yes, we got you. But but that one's about this uh this lady who's an investigative uh, journalist. She's I think for a like a vice type country, and she's. Uh, like in in Mexico, um, and she ends up going to explore this cave that like every some of the people in the in the city are like don't don't go in the cave just don't be an idiot and don't go in the cave <laughs> and she's like you know what I'm an investigative journalist I'm gonna go in the cave, um, and then she gets say? she gets sick and she gets taken to uh, this old lady's uh, house in town who's like hey um, you're possessed by the devil. And we need to get it out of you. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure about that. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's literally within like the first ten minutes of the movie, and so then the movie is about: Does she actually have a demon inside her? Uh, does she not? Um, here's this old lady who, for eons and eons, her family's been passing down, kind of being, you know, these um, exorcists in a way in a Uh world that's you know constantly changing and trying to like they're in a small village that's poverty stricken but you can tell that sometime within the next 10 years somebody's going to stroll into town and want to try to gentrify it and what happens when these old ways are are extinguished if there is evil out in the world that they've been keeping at bay what what happens when that's gone and it's 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 very small but like effectively done and there's some really fucking creepy scenes in it but it was it was just well done and it was really confident for the size of the movie and so like when i was watching gaia i was thinking i was getting lots of the old way uh type 
fives. Except for if you're somebody who likes blood, the old ways has more blood for you. Oh, okay. I mean, like, if you can replace blood with lichen, like that, this, you know, guy does pretty <laughs> well with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did like, I felt like it was a side story of an established, you know, like someone's like kind of like making like, oh, I want to do the side story of like a Mad Max movie. It's like, it's not Mad Max, it's just something yeah. that takes place, but in this one. So I really like that feeling too. I was like, that's really clever. And like, you don't know, you're not with the central characters of the whole disaster. You're just with like, this is kind of something that happens afterwards. And I did dig yeah. that. And I dug, you know, the world building, as you said. I just wish there had been like just a little bit more, um, I don't know, a little more action, I guess, or like just um, stuff. Not action, like as in like a big like shootout scene, but, you know, just like kind of more happening than a lot of the back and forth or like the, Contest of Wills. That's just, yeah. yeah. I'm simple. Yeah, no, I totally agree with Rob there. Like, I think there's a lot of really good stuff here. It's just when you spend, like, what feels like half the movie just, like, arguing in a cabin. I'm like, there are mushroom people. <laughs> there are killer spores. Like, let's go hang out with that for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I, but I feel like we, I don't know. But maybe it's just because we, we always get that. And so, yeah. like, yeah. have... But I'm, I'm, have you go, you go. Oh, I was gonna say, I'm really happy it worked for you because I was watching it and I'm like, <laughs> so many people are gonna love this, but I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, I am so what it's people. going for. <laughs> you are. There's a bunch of people that I mean, other people I, I read raving reviews for. So, I was oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's something that I could like. It was something I intellectually appreciated, but I just didn't feel invested in. But that was you know, that happens sometimes, mm-hmm. and the opposite can be true. Yeah, You're like absolutely. I know this is dumb as bricks, but I love it. <laughs> Um, and then the the third one that I'll mention, which I, I'm I'm now worried again that I'll still be in this in this boat again because that feels like my lot in life sometimes. <laughs> but um, here before, I didn't I see that, and that. I tried to see uh-huh. it twice. Um, one I had like a computer issue, and then I think I forget what the other one is. But I was told by two people like you have to see this. I was fine. I watched uh-huh. a damn movie, and then I couldn't. I forget what it was. There was someone was one was a technical glitch. I feel like I was pulled away to my day job on the other one. I was like, son of a. But I heard well, it. it's amazing. Uh, so please tell me about it. Yeah, it, it's well, it's <laughs> 80, 83 minutes. Um, it, it fits into the the psychological, uh, potentially supernatural thriller with like the the way it's it's presented and feels. Um, the, there's bits and pieces that that you could compare to stuff like a small elements of prodigy and um parts of birth um and uh not overall but but small um pieces of uh don't look now um and and that that's because of kind of what the the central uh plot is is that you've got a couple and their son who are living in i can't even remember the the country but but they're living out in um in the suburbs of this UK country, I'm not sure if it's Ireland. It might be Ireland. Um, but one day they have neighbors uh, who move in, and the main character uh, of the movie um, kind of takes a whose lore she she takes a shine to the the neighbor's daughter just because you know she she seems really precocious and cute. And Laura, she and her husband uh, lost their daughter like several years before, so she's been you know finally through the stages of, of piecing herself back together and, and there's this little girl who comes next door and and so she's a, kind of able to you know fill in that spot 
that was missing um, with her her daughter. Uh, but then she starts to spend more time with the kid, and things seem a little bit off mm-hmm. with the kid. It, like uh-huh. it's reminding her of her daughter a little bit too much, and so she she's you know trying to to figure out am, am I going crazy? Is there something actually here? Is this something you know supernatural? That that's going on, and it's <clears throat> it's it's kind of you know her spiraling state while she's trying to to figure out what's going on and spending time with this um, this kid, and then things it, it's very much a slow burn, and then things you know start to get revealed that are are crazy, and you're like, okay, what's going on here? And like it it decidedly takes a mean turn in the film. Um, but the, the main thing is it's, like I said, it's 83 minutes long and about 85 to 90% of the movie you're spent with the main character and the majority of the times you're watching their face and you're watching their face react and contort and how they're processing everything. And the reason why that works is because it's Andrea Riseborough. I'll watch anything she's in at this point. Exactly. That that's it's Andrea Riseborough's twenty twenty one film. Which means yeah. that everybody's gonna end up watching it. Yeah. 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 She has never can... had a good time in a movie. Like she's amazing at <laughs> just every movie she's like, Andrew, it's not gonna work out for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. I I knew nothing of the film's plot whatsoever until Aja had it. So I was like shorthand for me wanting to see it is that she's in it. Yeah. Like, and, like, like, okay. That was the, the it was like 83 minutes long. It's a psychological thriller and she's the lead. Yeah, let's let's do this. And she she is so good. I think the movie would be decent. Um, you know, if she wasn't in there that you'd be like, "Oh, okay, that's that's a a good and, and kind of twisty twisty story." That's okay. That's I I think I enjoyed that. But like with her in it, you're like, "Okay, that's that's pushing it it, it over because like it elevates everything that's around it. And I think they were probably able to do more by having her in it. Like there's some really creepy and well done uh, edited scenes, like just the editing in it. You're just kind of sitting there. Like, I don't feel comfortable just watching this. (laughs) And there's, there's not a lot that's happening. You're just like, I don't, I would like to be anywhere else right now, please. And then like, the end of the edit would just be uh, a shot of like something becoming daytime. And it's just staring at Andrew Riseborough's face. And you're like, this is no, thank you. <laughs> and, but like, she's just that good that like, just staring at her, her face, you can feel everything that she's feeling. And so like when the movie starts ramping up and you're just watching her, you're like, just, just get out of her way. Just everyone, <laughs> everyone just go on vacation or just act like she doesn't exist. Because if you have to stare at a- Andrew Riseborough's face right now, you might melt. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's, that's what put me um, over the top for it. Um, to round things out here, I, I know we said four films, but just let everybody know uh, the title of this last movie so that they can put it on their list. Okay, or we can go in the same order, I guess. So my my fourth film is Swan Song. Yes. Okay, good, good, good. Rob, what's yours? Uh, probably the Sparks Brothers. 
yes. Yeah. It's really enjoyable. Yes. It's long. Yes. But it's but it's Edgar Wright, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 dis- I'm disappointed that you haven't seen Swan Song, Rob. It's got Udo Kerr. I don't know, cool. It's got Udo Kerr like Oh, that's right. That's the one I tried to get in and then couldn't and then I emailed like literally an hour after. I was like everyone's raving about this. Is there any way I can get a speaker? And they're like, oh, I just got sold. So no. I'm like, all right. Yep. Well. They, <laughs> I mean, they yanked the screener, which is the first time I had ever yeah. seen. Like we got an email yeah. saying this has been sold. The screener expires at 10 PM. And it was like, okay. And so that's why I was like, well, I have to watch it now. And holy shit, I'm happy I did. Like Udo Kier, like voguing at like a drag club, like was everything I needed <laughs> in my life. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Anyway. I've, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but Sparks is great uh, too. I, I'm I'm going to cheat and I'm going to choose a a, a, a tie, um, How and that's because well I I think each movie has their demerits, but I definitely think that they should be uh, sought out. Um, one basically needs like the biggest trigger warning for anyone who has like um, a panic disorder, anxiety disorder, yeah. or is worried about like mental health issues is a uh, mm-hmm. violet. Yep. Oh. I was yeah. like, as he's like, I was like, yeah, okay. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I have really to, weird. all I have to say about violet is that, uh, my, my wife was, uh, I don't, she was gone for like part of the day when I was watching it and she came in, um, with like 15 minutes left to go, heard about like 30 seconds of the movie and was like, no no thank you i don't need to hear that voice i don't need to hear that voice in my head i was like nope it's like that's how effective it is is that somebody's like that's too real in 30 seconds no thank you oh wow um and then the opposite is uh how it ends really and and that's just (laughs) well it's the the reason why i'm I'm saying that i don't think it's a great movie um (laughs) it but i i it's a very breezy film yeah no i'm my shock was more that like you were like i have to squeeze in a fifth one and then it's for that like i enjoyed it a lot but it's it's a very it's a very shaggy movie it's very much like one of the comments that um like one of the notes that i had about it is that if you have to make a very lackadaisical and loose hangout film with a whole bunch of really talented people during the pandemic would be the best time to film yeah that yeah. type of movie and thankfully that's what she decided to do like all these other movies that that are like we shot during the pandemic are like how do we work in the pandemic into this uh, movie yeah and like how it ends i'm like how it ends is the cheerful version of greenland yeah <laughs> absolutely it's also uh speaking of movies major in the pandemic so the only other one i could think of was songbird fun fact <laughs> about that movie Bradley Whitford is wearing the exact same outfit in Songbird as he is in How It Ends. The exact same. He's wearing the same neckerchief or bandana. He's wearing, like, his outfit is the same. It's the weird, like, he clearly did one in the afternoon and one at night. I was like, all right, well, get work. Well, I, 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 I think we can guess which one he had more fun with. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it's, if, just, if, it's so weird. Yeah, if, if we're not able to tell, then then we need to give him all of all of our anger and all of our resentment. Just <laughs> Just give it to him. But yeah, that's why I wanted to choose that one, because I wanted to go with something that was like basically the tonal opposite of like every single film that we've mentioned. It's like, listen, 
it's not a great movie, but there's a chance that you're going to have fun and you're going to laugh with it. And you're going to be like, oh, look at this person who's in here. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely support that. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, if it was my last day on Earth, I would not be wearing heels. Yes. <laughs> I, th- I was like, she's doing so much. I was like, as the director, you chose. Like, why would you? Why? She so looks cute. She, I she mean, looks great. Like, I, yeah, no, I get that. But I'm also just like. I would be wearing both lipstick <laughs> and Converse. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, there also, like so many I, shots with her in the heels, and I was like, "You could yes. have chosen to just be wearing anything." What are you doing? Yeah. You're hurting this yourself. This is like Jurassic. You wrote World a scene over, all over again. Oh yeah, it, it's well, it's, it's like one like, of your like, first like, scenes. Go ahead. What I was gonna say, one of your one of your first scenes is Bobby Lee sitting in his driveway. You wrote that into your movie, and yet you also wrote yourself wearing these heels. but like i have to say charlie day in that film like charlie day in any film is pretty much (laughs) the best thing ever but charlie day talking about like sleeping with his shoes on like and (laughs) just yeah that was incredible yeah it's It's, very much like those like 80s and 90s like late 80s early 90s quasi indie movies where basically a bunch of like stars would just pop up yeah and like as like along with a journal like even cowgirls get the blues or i'm trying to think of other ones but they would just be like or um it's called flirting with disaster there's just Mm -hmm. people like Here's these people. Like I enjoy those actors. You're like, I like that person. All right, exactly. Some time with them, and then sometimes you're like, ah, oh, we shouldn't have spent that much time with them. And then other times, you're like, that was a good time. Let's yeah. go back to Glenn Howerton, who is in everything. <laughs> just running, her. just running. <laughs> Colin Hanks, uh, who's yes. oh god, his bicycle, like yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we're, we're, I mean, we didn't. I, I know we're not technically talking about the movie, but you're talking about a movie that that will cater to a whole bunch of people on the internet when yeah. a photo a still of the movie pops up of hey look it's logan marshall green holding puppies oh yeah that I, was pretty good i have total face blindness when it comes to logan marshall green like every time like who is that guy like oh it's that guy all right like every and i love his work but i literally no, it's, legitimately it's, do not remember him <laughs> like yeah. it's taller skinny it's taller skinnier <laughs> tom hardy Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, him holding puppies ticked a lot of boxes for me. Like, I did not mind <laughs> that at all. What? Yeah, um, I'm like, I'm like, well done. <laughs> you know that this is going to be the image they put out there, and people are going to be like, I will watch this movie. Uh, he chooses such fascinating projects. Like, he's one of those yeah. people where it's just like, he's pretty enough that you don't expect him to, like, really be challenging his, himself in his career, because he could just be arm candy. But no, he he has a really interesting career so far, so... Anyway, that's I, I think, but if you want to put him in your movie holding puppies, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. What I was gonna say. I think the the smartest thing he did was taking the money for Prometheus, knowing that he could then take that money <laughs> to do whatever he wanted and just act yeah. in whatever he wanted. Because he's like, no, I I already took that big paycheck. I want to take most of that money and and make a movie with Ethan Hawke that most of you are never gonna see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'll be in your Marvel movie for a second, then I got a jet. <laughs> Exactly. I go be in this depressing horror film. See you later. <laughs> and I, I do, I do think looking at the the final list that we came up with, or what everybody you know listed here, that that we did have a good selection of movies. And even though I said that we were going to cover everything, we do have a couple movies that you know would definitely fit into the to the genre and mm-hmm. uh, loosely horror outfits. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, and I did I, I did coverage for Room Org, and like there were good horror films, but it was just like it's it's just the ones that I did choose are just so hard to compete with because they were so incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you All guys right. see like not to add another film, but did you guys oh. see the feast? That was another 
horror film that was like yes. in close contention to make my top four. Okay. Yeah, that, that was. Oh wait, I remember. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see it, but yeah. I remembered the movie. Okay, cool. There we go. It, Adrian chooses five. I get to choose five. No, that works. It's, five it's the, it's the <laughs> fine. Throw one in there. I was just about to wrap this up. No, no, no. No, I know. I have I no one will know. I have one in my head, but you know what? We'll never know. It'll be like the whisper at the end of Lost in Translation. <gasps> what was his fifth one? We'll never know. It was the smoke monster all along. Of course. All right. Well, see, I, I hopefully, you know, everyone had fun listening to this because, like I said, we're getting to the point that we're going to start to see lots of film festivals uh, pop up. I know in April, um, Panic Fest is going to be both um, have limited in-person screenings with a whole bunch of uh, virtual uh, showings. And they've got they, they just released their lineup of films. So I think they're adding a couple more, but they've got there were some films on there that I'm like, yes, I really uh, want to see this. I think the one that stood out the most that I've been waiting for for a while that I didn't know how I was going to see it was the oh now I'm trying to remember what country it's from. I think it's the the Spanish movie theater giallo film. Oh yeah, I don't know if it's yeah. from, but yeah, it's. Huh? I think it's yeah. called like late screening or something like that. But yeah, it takes. I believe that oh, it's in like last matinee or something like that. Yeah, Is that it? yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that, like it. It. It just looks really good. And so when I saw that was on the lineup, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I've wanted to see that one since I saw the trailer. And since I think it was, I can't remember. I want to say that it was Brad Henderson or somebody who, who like put it out there by be mentioning that it was like, it's a Spanish giallo that's set in a movie theater. And I'm like, y- yes, you have my attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah like, we're, we're going to be on Sonos in there too. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Wait, which one? Wait, the Prisoners, Prisoners of, of Ghostland? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Okay. Fair. Okay. Uh, but, but I mean, we've got that coming. Of course, you're going to have, you know, the the newest, latest versions of all the ones that were out last year. It looks like a whole bunch of film festivals that kind of took last year off are going to come back uh, with a virtual version mm-hmm. there's still a lot that's kind of up in the air but but yeah i think it would be fun especially as we move into the more genre-based uh film festivals is doing a special episode you know that's like you know an hour or two kind of talking about the movies that everybody saw there and and bringing in um all kind of voices of people who who've been on in the past so th- thank you guys for doing this hey thanks for having me yeah thanks for having us all right Didi, where can people find you out on the internet on the internet they can find me on the internet um no they can find me um seville weekly which is the charlottesville alt weekly is both online and in print um Rumorick magazine both in print and online and then also that shelf.com and i always post all my reviews to my twitter feed and my handle is dd crim that's d-e-d-e-c-r-i-m all right and rob where can people find you the dumpster fire that is twitter at neurotic monkey <laughs> And yeah, I, I po- post everything out right there. So it's just easier. There you go. There you go. Let's easy it up. You can find me on Twitter at Yo Adrian Taurus. Um, you can find, of course, the show, if you didn't know, but you're listening to the show, so that would be confusing, at Horrorversary. Um, at the same time, I'm going to take a moment to plug just because it literally came out recently and it was lots of fun and also traumatizing was being on uh, Scarred for Life um, and talking about society and how that movie has uh, plagued uh, like my entire life. 
Um, it is probably one of the weirdest and silliest um, hour and a half of a podcast you will listen to uh, in some time. It is off the rails. It will make you feel uncomfortable, uh, but probably also laugh a lot. So that, that's what I got. Awesome. Looking forward to the shunting. <sighs> and on that you. note, <laughs> until next time. Everyone, be nice to each other.